Hey Church, Pastor Eric here, and I'm just so glad that you're joining us on our podcast today. I just pray that this message will stir up your faith, build you up, and just move you closer to the Father's heart. If you want to learn more about us as a church or would like to get further connected, you can visit us at our website at oasischurchchicago.com, download our app, Oasis Church Chicago, and also join us on YouTube for our live streams on Sundays and Wednesdays. We hope you find this message to be encouraging and life-giving. Now here's today's message from Pastor JP. I'm thankful for God's presence, amen? I'm thankful for the sweet presence of God. Guys, can I challenge you one more moment here and then we're gonna jump into the word. Open up your Bibles to Matthew 21 if you got them. Open up your Bibles to Matthew 21. We're gonna launch into a new series, but, but we were singing that song, the first song, which I'm not even gonna try to sing it because the, there's 4,000 words in the course. Um, but we were singing that and I, and I just peeked back and there's some of you in the room that feel like you can't dance in the presence of God. Can I tell you something this morning? There is freedom, true freedom in the presence of God. Let me, let me say it this way. If you were arrested, and don't raise your hand, because we got some people in this house, as we should, in Jesus' name, um, that, that one that had a past, had a point where you were locked up, you were, you were, if you were imprisoned, if you were bound by your ankles and your hands, and the key came and unlocked you, I don't think you'd be walking out of that prison. I don't think you'd be walking out of that place like this. I've watched videos time and time again, of people that were in those moments that got set free. And I'm telling you one thing, they were not walking out like this. They were declaring, they were shouting, they were praising. Now, I'm not saying they were praising Jesus, but I'm saying they understood that what has happened to them. And guys, the reality is, is not just in the natural, but in the supernatural, our lives have been changed and set free. There is freedom in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, even if you can't dance, it might be good to just move your feet around. It might be good to lift your voice a little bit. I'm not saying, oh, you guys are just charismatic. No, I don't even know what that means. We just, I just know what Jesus did for me as a 22-year-old kid that was separated from him, far from him, bound by uh, alcohol addiction, bound by sex and, and lust and following the ways of this world. And I know what it feels like to be set free. I know what it feels like to be dead. Can I say it that way? I know what it feels like to be dead. And I know what it feels to be set free. So I want to encourage you guys, don't hold back in the presence of God because Jesus did not hold back on you. That's a good sermon. Should I go that route today? I'm, I digress. And just go into a whole nother sermon, a whole nother message. Don't hold back because he didn't. Anyways, Matthew 21. We're going to jump into a series right now called Final Moments. Final Moments. And um, this is a series, just so you know, this is a series that is not going with the church calendar. And let me give you some context. We're going to talk about today um, what, what is known in the church as Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is the Sunday before Easter Sunday. And so we're going to talk about that today. And the reason why we're doing this is because over the next four weeks, we want to go and, and talk about what Jesus did, what his life was about, what things he did during that final week leading up to Calvary and then to the resurrection. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to go through some significant moments as Jesus enters in, which we're going to talk about today, all the way through sitting at the table, taking the Lord's Supper, describing what that means, sharing what that means, uh, going to the Garden of Gethsemane, praying and, and sharing what that means, all the way through, all the way up to the cross and the empty tomb. And so we said these are the final moments that oftentimes, if you've been in church, if you've been in this thing, you know these stories. Come on, I'm raised in the church. I'm under those. I was falling asleep in the pews as a kid. That's where I was tucked in at night. I'm a third generation pastor. That's nuts. Like, I, 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 know, I know these stories. I know what Jesus did. 
But I want to challenge us today and over these next four weeks by the Holy Spirit's power to actually take us deeper to what actually was going on. Not just this cool moment where there was palm branches waved, where Jesus went into the garden and prayed, but they were prophetic moments fulfilled. They were powerful moments that Jesus came to show what his kingdom, his father's kingdom was about. And it was a moment to say, I'm coming and I'm coming to conquer death in the grave and sin for all mankind that anybody that will call upon my name will be saved. And so we want to go deeper. Is this all right? We want to discover what these moments have to say. It's a powerful week leading up to the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. And so Jesus, in these final moments, gives us crucial revelation on who he is, why he dies, and what his death and resurrection mean for us. And so final moments. Matthew 21, verses 1 through 17. I'm going to read quite a bit of Bible. Is that okay? You love your Bible. Amen. I made a joke. My son um, turned two on Friday and he wakes up in the morning. I said it on Wednesday and I'm going to say it again. He wakes up and we have a monitor. It's HD. It's awesome. We can see every move he does. It's kind of weird, but he wakes up and um, he, he, he says this quote, I want my Bible. I want my Bible. I'm like, what? Bless be the babies. Just a moment for a father, proud father. We're going to read the Bible because we love the Bible here. We believe in the word of God. It's the authority over our lives. Amen. That's a good place for all believers to say amen. I put a title to this because every sermon needs a title, I guess. It's not what you would expect. It's not what you would expect. Matthew 21 verses 1 through 17. I'm going to read out the NLT. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you're doing, just say, the Lord needs them. <laughs> anybody? I'm going to need your car, buddy. Well, why? The Lord sent me. Notice how that doesn't fly today. Like, it's the same thing. I'm going to need your colt and donkeys. Who, why? The Lord needs them. Jesus is awesome. And he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy of Zechariah that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded they brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, praise God for the son of David, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heavens. Other translations say, Hosanna, 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 the one who has come to save us. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this, they asked. And the crowds replied, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And then immediately Matthew's account goes into this moment of Jesus going into the temple. Verse 12, Jesus enters the temple, the temple, temple in Jerusalem, the temple, the place that every religious leader would go. The people had to show up every year. This was the place where God was. You with me? This is not just some little church. This was like the place. Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. 
He knocked over the tables of money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. (laughs) We all love cuddly Jesus. (laughs) Jesus is tough. Okay? Don't misrepresent Jesus in our lives. Anyways, another sermon, another time. He said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer. But you have turned it into a den of thieves. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law saw these wonderful miracles and heard even the children in the temple shouting, praise God for the son of David. But the leaders were indignant. It's not what you would expect. How many of you have been in a moment in your life where you walked in thinking something was going to happen and you experienced the complete opposite? Every hand should go up. We've all been there, right? This happened to me many times in my life. I walk into a moment, a scene, I think something's going to happen and something completely different, what I was not expecting, happens. Um, This happened when my son was born uh, two years ago. Um, We, 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 if you know me, I I was not one that was... um, I don't want to say excited. I was excited for my son to come, but I was not excited for the process of him getting here. Can I say it that way? I was nervous. I was like freaked out. I just didn't know what to expect. And so I walk into the moment where Rachel and I are driving to the hospital with her parents and they're dropping us off and we walk in and and Rachel's in a lot of pain and we get into the room and we have this nice room and they're taking care of us and they're setting Rachel up with all these different wires and cords and heart things and everything, all the medical stuff that I have no idea, bless the name of the Lord. Like I'm like, and I'm there on my little bed cot thing and I'm resting and we're resting through the night and Rachel wakes up in the morning and and the, and the, the nurse comes in and says, hey, we're about time to see your baby come. And I'm like, great, this is it. And so I, I, I leave the room. I, I say, babe, I'm going to be right back. Now, now my, my mother-in-law who comes to church here and her, her mother, who's an old 90-year-old Russian woman, they had stayed up all night in the lobby. And I told them, like, don't stay up all night. This is going to be a night thing. They stayed up. So I was going out to tell them and also get a cup of coffee in Jesus' name. And so I go out there. I said, the baby's coming. Like, uh, I'm going to grab my coffee. And I walk back inside and I stand at the door and the doctor's standing right at the door with her arms folded. Where have you been? I said, um, well, they said it's going to take some time. Get in here right now. I said, oh, okay. All right, cool. Like I set the coffee down, didn't even get to drink it. I walk in and I'm, I'm there. See, see, what I expected to walk into was this. You ready for my, I don't want to say dumb, but it was a dumb perception of what was going to happen. I expected to walk into a room where there was like 15 doctors, you know, all high-fiving each other, like, we're in this, we're ready to go. I was expecting nurses to be there, like checking vitals, like, you got this, you got that, like reading charts, like, yes, Rachel's good, yes, yeah, yeah. I expected for me to walk into a sink, scrub my hands, you know, like, you know, you see in the movies, in the, in the, am I making sense to anybody? Like, you're, they're, they're like, I'm like, why are you rubbing your neck with soap? Like, I'm expecting for me to be scrubbed up. Like, put the scrubs on masks when we weren't wearing masks. I was expecting the net hat thing, like everything. This is my expectation. I was going to be behind Rachel cheering her on, playing the playlist of music that she created. Oh, it's going to be glorious. You know what I walked into? The doctor and a nurse. And me. Me. And the nurse and the doctor looked at me and said, are you ready? I said, for What? Are you ready to deliver this baby? I said, me deliver what? I was in that thing. Like, 
I was the extra help. Oh, Lord. I had no clue that was what was going to happen. I expected one thing to happen, a moment to play out the way I thought it, and I got a whole different scene. It was beautiful. It was awesome. And I'm ready for baby number two. I'm ready to be in there again. But I was expecting something and I got another thing. Well, we've all been there. We've all expected something and got another thing. And the exact same thing, not birth, delivery, but moment happened when Jesus makes his way into the city of Jerusalem. The people of Israel, the, the, the Jewish people, they were expecting something and they got something else. They were expecting one thing. They were expecting for Jesus to come in and, 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 and take over and rule and reign and, and dominate and, and uproot every system and structure of, of the Roman Empire and do what the Messiah had been talking about and had been told about by the prophets. And, and he comes in a way that was completely different. Because isn't that the kingdom of God? It's different than every other kingdom of this world. Hello, church. I don't care if you're right, left, middle, whatever. That's the truth for all of us in this place. That the kingdom of God is different. And Jesus gives us a mighty example of what they expected. He did not give them. <laughs> and I want to just take us through a couple moments here of this story and show us what Jesus does in these moments. Not necessarily, and in turn, we're going to get some of this, but like, like how we, you know, we sometimes put ourselves in scripture stories and, I, and I, that's okay. Got to be careful, but that's okay. We learn from it. This is a moment for us to go deeper and learn from Jesus. Isn't that who we should be learning from in the first place? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so we're going to see what Jesus models to us in this final moment of him walking into the city, coming into this place in this final moment leading up. This is the beginning scene of the end of the act of him going to the cross, him going to the grave, him going to conquer sin, him conquering death, raising to life and now being seated. I'm, I love Jesus. But he shows us, he models to us some things in this moment that we have to catch and understand today. First thing that he models for us is he models the kingdom. Great point, Pastor Rich, enriching. I should have said he models God's kingdom, his father's kingdom, the kingdom. Would that be T-H-E-E? -E? The, the? Diane, I'm looking at you. I don't know why I'm looking at you. He models the kingdom. Jesus models in this moment, as he rides on a donkey into Jerusalem, the kingdom of his father in such a way that was completely different from what they expected. It says this. Well, let me say this. We need to come to grips with this. The reason why we need to come to grips with this moment right here is because we need to come to grips with Jesus never did anything outside of what his father told him to do. You with me? See, because there's this dynamic happening in the church world where we will preach Jesus of the New Testament, but we won't preach God of the Old Testament. Hear me, that is demonic. Silence. We believe in this church that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Amen? And so Jesus comes and brings this mighty example to us that says, I'm only doing what my father, the same father named Yahweh that was there from the beginning in Genesis, that was there in Exodus and Leviticus, even in Leviticus, he was there. The same father through all those, I'm doing what he tells me to do. 
So he models the kingdom. It says in verse eight, most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession and the people all around him were shouting, praise God for the son of David, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this? They asked. And the crowds replied, it's Jesus. Jesus models the kingdom of his father. He shows how his father's kingdom works in even this moment of him coming into this city. He gives a clear picture of how God's kingdom is different from every, every other kingdom. And he shows a couple ways. First, he shows that, that, that blatantly his kingdom is a kingdom of peace. Where all the other kingdoms were a kingdom of chaos and, and, a, and, and iron fist and, and craziness, right? Well, what do you mean, pastor? Jesus comes in on a donkey. A donkey. Now, I don't know about you. You ever been around a donkey? They're dumb. They're stubborn. But they're very peace, peaceable animals. Like, they don't cause a lot of noise. They don't cause a lot of things. They, they just fall. Like, like, once you get them things in, in guard, they, they just, they walk. They don't make a lot of noise. They're not making some triumphant entry. Jesus comes in on a donkey. He is king. You know how kings normally would enter into a place with chariots and big white horses and trumpets and noise and sound and all of these things with swords and spears and, and armies behind them and in front of them. And Jesus, who is the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the one that is and who was and is yet. Like Jesus comes on a donkey with a garment laid over it. Like, yeah, that's, that'll work. That's all we got. Just sit on that garment, Jesus, and we'll go. And he comes in a way that shows that the kingdom of God is different than the kingdoms of this world. We see throughout all of the gospels is that unlike every other king, Jesus is not a slave to those in his kingdom. Catch this, church. You've got to catch this. That Jesus is not a slave to anyone in his kingdom. Caesar, the, the emperor of Rome at that time, was a slave to the reputation needed to keep his following. Caesar had to keep a status. You with me? Rulers of that age had to keep a status. They had to make sure that people knew, I'm in charge. I'm in charge. You mess around with the Roman Empire, you're dealing with Caesar, and he's the big man. And Jesus says, I ain't going to listen to anybody. I don't need to fall prey to any reputation that people put on me. Jesus, on the other hand, was a slave to the will of his father. Jesus cared about what his father said and what his father had commanded and what his father's words said. And so Jesus gave, this gave Jesus the liberty to serve his father, to do his will and not be held captive to the agendas and plans of anyone else. Can I say this church in this way? Jesus doesn't need PR reps. It's a good word, pastor. Now he needs you to be an example, but he's not looking for you to tell people today who, who he's not. And we have a lot of distorted views of who Jesus is today. And we're given a lot of bad examples and a lot of bad theology about who Jesus is. And I've, I've done it. And Jesus is like, I don't fall prey to anybody and what anybody thinks. I follow my father. And this is crucial, church, because when you go down that social media platform and you're ready to just type whatever you type and whatever you want to say, you're about to keyboard kill somebody. Like, you're like, I got it in the bag. I, this one is, I, they put this on the T and I'm like, I've got it. Maybe you need to go read the word of God first and see what, what our father says. 
It's another good word, Pastor. Because if Jesus does, doesn't do what people expected him, he does what his father tells him. What about us? Right? Doesn't scripture say, follow me as I follow Christ? So if Christ followed the words of his father, what are we to do? Another moment is Jesus comes in a humble submission. He rides on a donkey that, that is not some chariot. It's not some white horse. It's not some victory. But you know the best news ever? You know the greatest news? Are you ready, church? The greatest news? Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. And I cannot wait. Because this whole plan, I won't even go down that. I cannot wait. Anybody else can't wait for Jesus? Three of us, six of us, ten of us. Faith is rising up. He's coming back. And guess how he's coming back? Not on a donkey. With some cloak, he's coming back on a white horse. Because guess what? He's saying, I've been the king. I've been the victorious king. I've been the victorious one from the moment that he conquered death at the grave. When I see that white horse, I'm like, Jesus. Woo! Anyways, I won't get old school Pentecostal. <laughs> he demonstrates by coming in on a donkey that he came to serve. And not to be served. Like every other emperor and ruler, what'd they have? Every service available to them. Come on, you know, I tell my son, I'm like, son, you're living like a king right now. I tell him that. I say those words to him. He looks at me like, I'm like, son, you're living like a king. You don't do anything here. Like I feed you, I clothe you. I, he's too, pastor. I, got, I know, I know. I, I take care of you. I buy you birthday cake. I buy, like, I got, I got every, like, you're living like a king. Jesus didn't come for any of that. He washed his disciples' feet. He said, I've come to serve, man, not to be served. He shows us the way of his father's kingdom. If some of you feel, feel far from the father, can I tell you something? Serve. The greatest thing that I've found in my life that I'm, when I feel far from the father is I've stopped serving people. Hello? Write that down. Take that home. If you feel far from the presence of God, serve someone. Wash your spouse's feet. That's nasty. Do you know my, do you know my husband's feet? He wears worse boots all day. Serve your sister, your brother, your roommate. Serve someone. Jesus did it. Another thing that he does is he shows us in this moment as he comes in that the kingdom of God, that the word of God will never return void. Anybody thankful that the word of God never returns void? That was spoken in the prophets of the Old Testament and Zechariah and, and, and Jeremiah, I think, reference it. And Isaiah talks about them, like all these Old Testament writings and prophets that are declaring this. God fulfills them in the moment of Jesus arriving into the scene. Can I tell us something, church? We need to hold on to the fact that this word has stood true and will continue to remain true. And there's confidence in that. You want to know more about Jesus? You want to get closer to Jesus? Get to this thing. You want to know how Jesus operates and what, his, what God's kingdom is all about? Get to this thing. You can't just open this up on Instagram and get a good clip of somebody else's Instagram. Get this thing, ingest it, take it in, read it, mull over it. Just devour this thing and you will know how the kingdom of God works and what the kingdom of God is about. Because Jesus came and fulfilled the word of God, being the word of God. That's a good word, pastor. The other thing he does is he shocks the rulers. You know what I love about Jesus? He, he rises and he does this moment where he's coming in and he's shocking the religious rules. He's shocking the people because, because he rides in, right? And normally when a king would ride in and an emperor would ride into a city, it would mean immediate takeover. Jesus goes to the temple. 
He doesn't ride up to Caesar's palace. I'm the new guy here. Give me the keys. No. And so there's a shock and a, like, a, oh my goodness. What? And I could just sense the people and people, the people of Israel begin to come back. Man, what, what is he doing? This is not how it's supposed to play out. And Jesus shows them that the deliverance that they expected was not the deliverance he was bringing. He didn't come to uproot structures and systems. Now, he does, by the way, that we choose to follow him. You with me? He didn't come and did, did take Caesar and just flick his finger and Caesar fell off his balcony. Like some people like wanted that. He didn't do any of that. He came in on a donkey saying, I have not come to uproot the systems and the structures and the kingdoms and the natural. I've, can't, I've come to disarm every principality of darkness and of evil and of wickedness by coming and going to a cross called Calvary and taking uh, three days and going to the grave and conquering the keys of death. That's how he came, and the people were shocked. That's how Jesus came. That's what his Father's kingdom is about. Not to liberate just in the natural, but to set free, people free in the supernatural. Then anybody that would call, isn't this good news? Anybody that would call upon the name of Jesus will be saved. When did that stop becoming good news? That's what Jesus did. He didn't come and start just uprooting things and call. No, no, no. He said, I'm going to come in and do what my father told me to do. My father told me to come into this thing, riding on a donkey and go into the temple and show people once again what my father's business is all about. That's the whole, that's the whole life of Jesus. You with me? Doing what his father has declared him to do. And the best part about this is that what Jesus models. Okay, a little Jewish history lesson. You ready? This was Passover week. This moment right here where Jesus comes in, this is Passover week. And so in the beginning of Passover was a remembrance of what happened in Egypt when they were slaves. You guys, you guys with me? Nod your heads. We're going to do this together. It was a remembrance of what happened in Egypt where they were drawn out of slavery and they were taken across the Red Sea, all that stuff. And so they remember this moment through Passover. And so Thursday is Passover, where, where Jesus then gets crucified. But, but on, that mo on that day where, where people know and believe that when Jesus rides in on that donkey, that was the day that the lambs were brought in. That the lambs were brought in for the people of God to go and choose and to take a lamb that was spotless and take them back to their house to be house pets for a couple days. And then, you with me? Just for the sake of whoever's watching online, they're like, I can't believe you killed an animal. So Jesus rides in on the same day that all these lambs are being brought in. Whew. You all love the Bible. I love my Bible. He rides in saying, all these lambs that are going to be sacrificed, I'm the lamb. I'm the lamb. Amongst all this, as you pick and choose as these things that have been given to you and these laws, and I'm, I'm the lamb now that comes. Upside down kingdom, because I don't know another ruler or king that has given up his life for me. He says, I'm the lamb that will be slain. He models his father's kingdom. You know what I see about the father in that? Just the pure kindness and love that the father has for us. The second thing that Jesus models, and we're going to be done in a few moments. Is this all right, church? Is that Jesus models kingship. 
Jesus gives a mighty example. He models what it is to actually be king. Jesus arrives and he continues to bring the kingdom, but he heads straight into the temple after this moment of riding in on the donkey to the authority and religious leaders of the time. And he speaks in full kingship. Verse 12, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all of the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He's like, nah, this ain't the place anymore. This is, I, this is done. This structure, this system, it's done. He knocked over the tables of the money and changers and chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. Now, let me say this. If you were here in that time and you were in the temple at that time and you saw some guy who rode in on a donkey at that time with just a bunch of ragtag, bunch of dudes with him, the 12 and whoever else were his disciples, and you saw him walk into the temple and go, uh-uh, I'm gonna tell you all something. There would have been a lot of eyebrows raised. Like, who's this brother think he is? Like, like who are you coming in flipping tables? There would have probably been some severe, like, pain, like, we're gonna go after this dude. He's messing with the sis. Who does he think he is? But Jesus, in that moment, declares by his actions and his words, I'm my father's son. I'm the king that is above every king. I'm the king. He, he, he says, I'm the king. My father's house. Now he's speaking, right? This whole thing, this temple, this is my dad's house. And you all have messed it up. And I'm coming here to say in my father, because my father's words, this is now going to be a place that is completely different from what you guys have made it. This will be a place of prayer and of rejoicing and of, of laughter and of healing and of deliverance. He says, man, these structures, these things that man has created, these rules and regulations and these, these things, it's, it's no more. Stop making my house about something it was never about. And he's not operating this because of his own words. He's not saying this because he thinks, man, look it, I, I, I got a resume. We, we think Jesus is walking in and declaring this because he just healed a bunch of people. He just fed 5,000. He just made Lazarus come to life. He's not doing it because of that. He's doing it because he's the son of God. And he's saying, I'm the one coming on behalf of my father to come and speak these words. Guys, when we say Jesus is king, it's much more than a really cool album. He's king. I love that album. I listen to it. Me and Titus Rock. But it's much bigger than that. When we think of kings, we think of people that are untouchable. You can't reach them. You can't get near them. You're not going to walk up to the queen uh, in London. You're not going to knock on the door of, uh, of her. Of, what's the place called that she lives? Huh? Queen, pa Buckingham Palace. I was just there. Like, awesome place. I'm not going to walk there and be like, hi, I'm, I'm Pastor JP from Chicago. Can I? They're going to be like, brother, get out of here. Some guy broke in those twice. Fascinating. Anyways. But we're not going to get access to those people. And they're kings and queens. I'm not knocking them. And Jesus comes and says, I'm the king of kings. You get access to me whenever you want it. Oh, you get access to the throne room of grace anytime you call upon my name. Anytime you come to me, you don't have to knock and bang on the door. You just say, Jesus, I'm here. And guess what? The doors of heaven go like this. <laughs> That's awesome. Jesus walks into the temple and he says, man, this ain't this. Nah, nope, 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 nope. I'm the king in this house. This is, this is, I'm the king. The structures and the systems. He turns it upside down. He begins to present to the people a whole different way of living. 
a whole different moment, a whole different way. And this is where, where, what kingdom authority and power looks like. Can you hear me on this, please? Just for a few more moments, worship team, come on up. They, they, he leveraged everything he had as the son of God in order to glorify and honor his father. He inevitably becomes an example for us. He does what he, is, he, he, does what he commands of us himself. You catch that? We love saying, I, I, who, who do you follow? I follow Jesus. We know Jesus shows us by being a king that his kingship is only because he submitted, which is completely reversed to any other king. You with me? Every other king ruled and reigned. Hello? They didn't submit to anybody. Nobody was walking into the king's palace and telling the king to bow down. They would get... Jesus says, no, I'm actually king, but I submit to my father. And he shows what it means to be submitted. See, this is what's hard with us. This is what messes with us, our internal selves, our desires. The church calls it the flesh. Our flesh and our desires say, I'm king. Jay, you're king. Jay, you can rule. Jay, you can make decisions. Jay, you can do all this. Jay, you can make this happen. You can make that happen. You, anybody else ever experienced this internal battle? Every hand should go up whether you believe that or not. It's true. We all say like, man, this is, I'm king. I'm king. I'm king. No, no, no. Jesus is king. And the way that Jesus shows his example of kingship by submitting to his father's will, I'm going to do the same. So if Jesus calls me to sell my house, I'm going to sell my house. If Jesus calls me to give my car away, I'm going to give my car away. If Jesus tells me to stop hating my brother and sister, then I better stop hating my brother and sister. If Jesus tells me to forgive those that persecute you, forgive those that have hurt you, forgive those, then I'm going to forgive them. Not only forgive them, I'm going to bless them. That's my blessing move that I do in the house when I'm just like, bless them, Lord. I throw the blessing at them. <laughs> I'm done, I'm done. I do, though, because sometimes I just need to be reminded of the natural, what Jesus has called me to do. If Jesus says this to us, why are we fighting him? You want to be a disciple of Jesus? Guess what a disciple does? Follows and submits and dies. When you come to Jesus, you die. You died. But good news is he raised us to life. But you died. Everything about you and your decisions and your plans and your feelings and your vibes, like, like all those things died. And if you're still holding on to him, you don't understand this whole message of Jesus. Because Jesus shows us that his plans died. By him being king, he comes in and submits his will to the Father. The final thing that Jesus shows us is he models kingdom deliverance. Do you believe? I, let me say it this way. We believe in this house that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He who was, it is, and is, and yet to come, right? We believe all of that more than ever before, I believe it. And you know what I love more than ever before? That God's kingdom is still a kingdom of deliverance. Amen, pastor. Do you believe that the kingdom of God, don't worry about them, just lean in for a second. The kingdom of God is still a kingdom that is a one of deliverance. That the kingdom of God still raises dead people to life both in the natural and in the supernatural. Hello, I believe that. You know, I just got a report. I, was, I didn't even say this in first service. I was talking to a pastor, one of our overseers, and he was telling me about how down in, um, in, in Texas that they were praying for this guy. This guy was dead, three hours dead. No, like, no pulse, nothing. And they went in and prayed over him. Would you believe me if I told you this? We're crossing a line here, praise the Lord. He, the, the brother just went, whoop. <gasps> said, what's up, guys? I don't, know, I don't know if he said, what's up, guys? Like, I, I think... Missed it. He raised to life. 
church people in there just believers saying, we're done with this whole nonsense of people not believing God's the same, that God doesn't deliver and heal people and set people free. Well, well, well my mom died at an early age. I, I, I know, and, I'm, and I know Jesus was with you in that moment. But can I tell you that she was, probably, she was healed if she knew Jesus the moment she met Jesus face to face? See, we balance it all. We have it all here. But Jesus in this moment shows kingdom deliverance. Let me just share this real quick, and then we'll, we're going to worship. You all ready to just dance, maybe? Uh, maybe the first song. He said to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. Verse 14, um, um, Nate, or Mateus back there, can you throw up verse 14 real quick, please? I've read this account. I don't even know how many times I've read the gospels. I'm, I, like hundreds and hundreds of times I've read this. And in verse 14, I probably read numerous times and just glossed over it. It says that he clears the temple out with all these people. And then it says this, the blind and the lame came to him. In the temple, and he healed them. We read that and go, well, that's what Jesus is supposed to do. And that's what his whole life was about. He was about miracles and healings and deliverance. Yes, but we got to catch what was happening here even greater. It says, in the temple, and the leaders and the priests and the teachers of the religious all saw it, and they were just losing their minds over it. How dare he? It's his house. He comes to heal the lame and the blind in the temple. See, the thing about this, we got to catch this, is that the blind and the lame, the sick, uh, they were never allowed to come into the temple. They weren't actually even invited into the temple. They weren't set up. The temple was not set up for people that could not get in the marginalized, the disfranchised, the people that were so far, like they were not set up to be able to come to the temple for this special religious moment in time. They were said to be just stand out there. Because when Jesus comes, his kingdom flips this thing upside down. <laughs> Jesus comes into the temple. He clears it out. He said, this is how my father's house is going to be. And what he's saying is, bring everybody. Everybody. Not just the put together real clean. Oh, I know my Bible front to back. I can recite Genesis 27 verse 4. I have no idea what Genesis 27 like, I, I know my Bible. I know what Jesus has done for me. Oh, that church over there, that, that. And we, that's religion, folks. Jesus says, come, every one of you, anybody, 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 the lame, the sick, the blind, the orphan, the widow, anybody, come, the marginalized, the ones that have been forgotten, come into my house, being him. Jesus comes to be the temple. It's no longer the place that we go to and get healing. It's the one that we run to to get healing. And Jesus goes, I am the new temple. I'm the one that the church will come. I'm the one that the people that don't know me will come and they will call upon my name and they will be able to sing this song. Hell lost another one. Hell you lost another one. And my family generation, you lost another one. And my kids, you lost another one. You ain't touching them. Jesus shows the power of his father's kingdom. This isn't this. I don't know if a Palm Sunday message I've ever heard about this. I've heard about the let's wave the branches and celebrate Jesus' victorious thing. Do another lap, church. I'm like, People running on horses in the church. I'm up, we had a big church. They were riding donkeys, waving palms. I'm like, what the mess is going on? <laughs> Jesus says, bring them to me. Let all who are weary come to me. 
Let all who are thirsty come to me. Let all who are sick come to me. Let all who are downtrodden come to me. Let all who are at the end of the rope come to me. Let all who are done playing the game come to me. Let all who are done crossing their arms and raising their fists, no offense to anybody crossing their arms, I know it's comfortable, come to me. But anybody that actually wants to live the abundant life, come to me. Whoever's done pulling wells that are going to run dry, come to me and drink from a well that will never run dry. Whoever's hungry, whoever's thirsty, come to me. This is what Jesus does. He declares in this moment, it wasn't just a cool physical healing moment. This was a declaration of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not no longer in a temple. Yes, we gather. And yes, this is a beautiful place. But it's in us. Because of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's in us. This building means jack to God. He cares about this. And so this is an internal and external righteousness that unfolds. Jesus looks to the religious leader, all the people, and says, you guys have your cups on the outsides. They look really good, but your inside is messed up. Can I tell you this? That, that what Jesus shows us, that the only, thing, the only reason that righteousness comes is by going internally and externally, obedient to the Father and obedient inside. There's a move happening where we are trying to fight injustice, and I, and I believe we are called to be a church that will do this. We link arms, hand in hand, we, we, but it will not be done apart from the gospel about pointing people to Jesus. Because when it's done, when we're just trying to be righteous on the outside, get on board with all this stuff, and there's good hearts behind it. I'm not condemning anybody. But when it's done apart from the gospel, it's demonic. Pastor, why'd you have to go there? Why couldn't you just wrap up sermon and be done? Like, because Jesus shows us. He walks in, submitted to his Father internally and externally, and presents the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we want to be people that live the way that Jesus has called us to live. So we're going to gather at the table this week in our old groups. We're going to talk about this. We're going to discuss this. We're going to do this together. We're going to keep gathering in the, in the temple, we call it. But this is a place where the body comes together and worships Jesus and declares the goodness of our God. We're going to do all of this because it matters. But it only matters if we're saying yes to Jesus here and here as we walk. Would you stand to your feet? We're going to rejoice. We're going to sing. We're going to declare the presence of God. But right now, if you're in this room... And you're tired. You're tired of playing it. You're tired of doing it. You're tired of it all. You're, you're tired of putting on the show. You're, you're done. And you're ready to really say, man, I want to be free. I want to actually run with Jesus. I want to run the way he's called me to run. I want to live a life that's filled with righteousness, not just outwardly, but inwardly more than ever before. I want my heart to be purified. I want my mind to be touched. I want everything. I want you right now to slip your hand up high. Slip it up high if you want it. Yep. Amen. Amen. My hand is up as well, church. We're family together. Yeah. Amen. Amen. All across this room. Anybody else? Don't wait. This is just a sign of faith, believing it. What's happening more is inside of your life right now. Yeah, hands are up. More hands are going. Anybody else? Father, right now in the name of Jesus, yeah, you see the hands that are lifted. You see the hearts that are crying out for a touch from heaven, for a deliverance, for a peace that surpasses all understanding, for a joy to fill them and for the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of our Father God to fill them. Right now in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would fill people from their head to their toes, that they would just be filled with the good news of Jesus, that they would walk in freedom, 
They would walk in joy. They would walk in peace. They would stop running. They would stop playing. They would stop doing the things that go against your kingdom. But God, they would be sold out to you, God. For it is freedom that you have set us free. It is freedom that you have set us free today. And we rejoice. We declare that you are God. Come on, church. Come on, church. Let's worship him. Let's worship him. Come on.